Welcome to The Growth Show with Matt Lindsay, where we discuss growth strategies both for business and a personal perspective, discussing all kinds of businesses, growth strategies, technology, investment strategy, and much more. We are meeting with entrepreneurs, investors, app developers, and property developers. Our vision is to help 10,000 business owners grow their businesses. Introducing our host, Matt Lindsay. Matt is a former banker and corporate financier. He now spends his time building his own companies organically and through acquisition, as well as raising capital for other businesses. Matt works with a wide variety of entrepreneurs and investors. Welcome, Mr. Matt Baker, to The Growth Show with Matt Lenzi. The two Matts together once again. Indeed. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for coming on. So we were just talking offline. We haven't seen each other in flesh for nearly a year, which is quite incredible. I know. It's um, been... When was the last time you were in our group? Was it February last well, year? That was, that was the last group. It must have been. It, was the, it must have been the last group because March didn't happen. Uh, so yeah, it's been uh, now almost a year since we've seen each other in the flesh. So we're talking at tangents and nobody's going to know what we're talking about. So Matt Baker runs a platform for HMO investors, um, being a HMO, HMO investor himself. And I used to attend and have, have continued to attend throughout lockdown, yep. actually uh, providing some guidance in terms of financial financial side of things and learn debt and equity, etc. Yeah. So what, 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 what is that and what does it do for those that don't know? Well, uh, the HMO platform is a coaching and mastermind program where we work with landlords, investors and developers who are specializing in HMOs and co-living developments. And so the types of people we work with are those who maybe um, have been operating property for a little while and they've got a few properties and they're wanting to level up their, their portfolio, looking at um, kind of what we call next level HMOs, which are, uh, it's kind of the way we've coined um, a product in the HMO market, which is different to the rest. So it's creating a unique offering um, that has a better level of service and, and essentially brings co-living to uh, the HMO world. Because um, there's essentially this bit of a, a confusion between what makes an HMO, what makes co-living. And um, so we're hoping to, well, we are dispelling that myth that they're the same thing or, or that co-living is just a buzzword for HMO when it's not. Um, co-living is where you have HMOs and you then create an amazing level of service within it. So yeah, what we do is um, have those programs that look at finding them, developing them, filling them and, and creating an amazing experience for, for, for the customers. Okay, so for the for those who don't know what a HMO is, it's a house of multiple occupation or occupancy, where basically multiple people live together. Um, and I guess in in these times, I know I saw some statistics that you you were quoting on your um, feed of Instagram yesterday or the day before regarding how actually people people probably would prefer to be living in a co-living environment at the moment rather than living in a flat by oneself. So yeah, it's an interesting outlook and view of things. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you think over the last year, uh, people have been locked down in the UK, uh, essentially, it, with a few respites here and there to 
to uh, depending on where you are in the country but if you're in a if you're living by yourself in a one bedroom or two bed flat um uh, or e even in a, in a couple that it, it can be very claustrophobic very very lonesome so there's this um want for human connection and building um relationships with others um outside of of the of the zoom uh, 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 room so uh, what we are what we're seeing is that people are wanting to move into shared accommodation but with quality so those that are in shared accommodation are being more discerning about the types of properties that they're wanting to live in and those who are moving from a one bed flat are going to want to see that they're getting more for their money they're generally getting a better deal than what they were paying before because you will include all of your services etc um so it can actually be an affordable option um let's say we have a bit of a downturn well we are we've had a turbulent up and down over the last year um with some people losing jobs there's going to be um you know a bit of economic turmoil um, over the coming months so um shared housing is an affordable option and we aim to we are at the you know the really good quality um space design and service that we provide um as developers ourselves um, but also that's what we teach others to do interesting so i guess what you what you've done is basically applied the principles that you've applied to your own developments first and then and then taken those taken those and basically re retraining those retraining those to other people um i know from our previous conversations and chats um face to face back in the day you know that's like yes. that's kind of old, old in the old times um over a pint which we used to be able to do yeah well i don't drink anymore either so we wouldn't be able to do that anymore <laughs> the so. world has changed i know yeah it's like there was a, a, a cataclysmic shift but um the <laughs> although, yeah. although I, I am in dry january i'm um a few a few weeks now into uh not having a drink and I, i'm not missing it i've got i've had no tv no um uh, beer either so no no alcohol no tv so uh, i'm doing quite well, well I'm, I'm, I'm eight eight months in now nine months in so yeah it's kind of a long yeah just 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 the new norm you know you wake up every day and there's no hangover you know it's, <laughs> this this is this like most people world. yeah like most well is it is it though With, in lockdown i think alcohol consumption has gone through the roof but that's yeah. uh that's a different conversation. So, yeah, obviously, um, we, we've known each other for a few years. And uh, I thought, you know, with with the kind of economy in the way that it is, um, obviously, yourself and your business partner, Niall, you know, I've been really impressed with the way that, you know, you've you've continued to grow and you've continued to kind of expand what you do. But if we kind of take a take a step back and rewind to the beginning of things. So by trade, you were a musician um, and 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 you've kind of pivoted quite quite. Yeah, it's quite a big pivot to become a, a property investor um, and then beginning to train people and 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 the other the other things that you're going on. So, yeah, if you could just just for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about your background um how you've kind of come come to do what you what you're doing today and and yeah some some of the some of the spoils the spoils and stories that you've had along that journey that'd be great so as you're right i, I started life as a musician and uh, all through my uh, kind of teenage years i was playing i'm a piano player so um, i'm actually a piano player and property investor that's uh, a moniker that i sometimes put out there um so i yeah i was a pianist all through my teens and then I went and studied music and 
then throughout my 20s became um, a session musician uh, and I worked quite a lot with with bands and artists um, you know doing tours and um, ranging from doing the gig down the local pub to you know being flown first class to um, to Istanbul and back in 24 hours it, it's it, it was quite a really good fun time um, but as um, with anything where you're a freelance and especially you're in creative industries um, income is very up and down it's a bit like a roller coaster um, and I, 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 there was one moment where I saw um, the guitarist who was playing in one of the bands that I was in and he was in his uh, he just turned 40 actually he's in his early 40s and he was still working as a waiter to pay the rent as he was you know, he had hair down to here and was was gigging and and he's a great guy um but i was like oh my goodness i want a family i want to i've got aspirations of what i want to do in life um i don't really want to be hanging around for 20 30 years you know waiting for that opportunity where someone else is going to come in and and um i don't know sign a band that i'm in or to um give me that 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 world tour with a you know, world famous artist you know, which is essentially what you'd be doing you know looking for that that one opportunity so mm. um i decided to take a bit more control and um found that a great steady income was through teaching and um i i was actually quite good at it and developed my um kind of my own business um teaching piano from home and going to other people's houses and um i got to a place where i was full couldn't take on any more students and a friend of mine said well uh, i've got a, this this other friend of mine who's looking for some piano teaching work um do you think you might be able to to um to help her out and so i thought well, actually well yes i probably could i've got this list of people i've got all these inquiries and i've got some students that i really don't enjoy teaching others i absolutely love teaching i was like well if if there's some way of being able to pick and choose my students and actually then um work with someone else who um can teach on my waiting list then that's going to um, be really good and that was the formation of uh, my music school in in south oxfordshire the tame institute of music which um i sold ooh, for like two or three years ago now okay uh, so you so you've had a biz business exit at this point i have had a business exit i wouldn't say it was one where you go on a, a you know around the world for two years um celebrating but it was a business and it was an exit um <laughs> <laughs> and, um so um, i learned a lot about um valuing business i had didn't have a clue i learned a lot about what um what it means to have value in business at the time and i i didn't tick quite a lot of the boxes that i needed to have um to exit a business business correctly um i just wanted out because it was causing me hassle yeah um, so i've now if i was to exit again i know that i would need to have quite a few different things in place to increase the value of that business and and get a, a more of a multiplier valuation mm. um, so that was really interesting um but yeah up to that point music was my thing and um it was when i turned 30 that I discovered property investing and I was I went to an event to about about uh, business and growth and mindset and um, there were all sorts of speakers talking about property business um mindset <laughs> and <laughs> just repeating myself but <laughs> yeah so it was really, so, so it was really interesting and uh, I was trying to grow my uh, my uh, music school business at the time and when um, there was a lady, Jill Fielding, got on, up on stage and started talking about property investing and how you could do it with little time and little money. And I was like, well, property is something I've always been interested in. Um, it's always something I, I knew I obviously wanted to buy my own home. I was thinking I had to save up for that, but it's going to take me ages. Um, I was self-employed, so getting a mortgage was going to be really difficult. 
Um, so when she started talking about buy to let investing, I thought, well, yeah, I could do that. Actually, actually I could do that before I, well, I thought I was going to make my millions as a musician or, and then I was going to invest in property. And what this did was it turned it on its head. Mm. I, I could just, I could make uh, wealth within property and which gives me the freedom to invest in my own uh, musical um, kind of adventure and uh, doing the music that I want to do without the, the pressures of the, the having to, having to uh, make the money from it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And so you've, you've obviously continued on that journey and built up a, a portfolio of, of, of assets today. So what, what does that kind of look and feel like in terms of quantity? Um, and, and where do you, how, how far do you want to go with that going forwards as well? That's always a, a follow on question. Well, just before I get there, one thing that I, I, I like to explain why I love shared living and HMOs. Okay. Yeah. Because um, as a musician, what I've always loved was working in bands um, because uh, being a pianist, it's a very lonely instrument unless because uh, the opportunities to work in ensembles is quite low. And most pianists, they, they just sit and play um, for themselves. Um, so it was only when I started working with others um, that it, I really enjoyed myself and started to become very passionate about it. And I really enjoyed putting other people together as well. So uh, I would be someone who would connect um, other musicians and say, oh, this person would really be great and, and bring artists and, and bands together. Um, so that created a community spirit. And when I got into property, when I discovered what an HMO was, the house of multiple occupation, how people could live together, um, I thought, well, actually, yeah, this is a great thing because people can live in, in a community, they can get on, they can have a really great experience living in those houses. Mm. So it was that extension of that community into, um, into property. Yeah. Which also yeah. follows through into the training as well, because I love building a community of, of people that are all doing the same thing. Yeah. So that's why I do HMOs. And when I started out, I always knew that I wanted to get into that really quickly. Mm. So in terms of uh, investing, we've been investing now for... I did that training about almost six years ago and I've been investing for just over five years, just had the fifth anniversary of being a buy to let investor in uh, on 18th of December last year. And, um, and was it a day of celebrations or commiserations? <laughs> it was, uh, no, it's a day of celebration because that property Good. is, as has, uh, increased quite a lot in value now. So we bought it for 105 and that is now worth about 160 in, in okay. five years. So very happy with, with that, um, with that growth. Um, and uh, just about, we're just trying to refinance that at the moment. Um, it's just very slow as we know with, with, with banks, um, mm. but moving into, um, HMOs, we did pretty much straight away. So I bought, actually bought that house and my first HMO. We have the offer agreed on the same day, um, in about August, September time in 2015 bought one on the 18th of December and then the um, the HMO one we bought on the 31st of March just as stamp duty was being increased we were right. part of that cohort where we said to our solicitor you must complete on the 31st of March <laughs> otherwise you're paying my stamp duty for me um, <laughs> so um, there's going to be a few more of those this year I think as well I think so yeah yeah well let's see what happens in the budget but yeah it looks like <laughs> it doesn't it <laughs> exactly but anyway I'm um, to answer your question uh, we're now at about 100 units um, uh, uh, over five years, and that is growing. We've got about uh, 20 in the pipeline today. So, so 20 agreed more today, 20 more units, and then we've got about another 50 in the pipeline. And our goals at the moment is to grow and 
to add another 750 units to the portfolio over the next five years. So we've just come up with a five-year growth plan um, and we are uh, yeah, building the pipeline and then um, yeah, speaking to um, investors about you know, really getting involved in, in, that, in that journey. So looking for people that can support our growth over the next five years and be party, party to it. Wow. Okay. And I think, I think to put it into context, I think historically probably shared living was, it's probably a bit, bit, had a bit of a derogatory connotation attached to it in terms of the quality of the product probably wasn't very nice and yeah, a bit substandard and probably aimed generally at the really, you know, lower end of the market. And I think, you know, having seen some of the, some of the product that you produced, albeit not in person, but by, you know, by the, the glossy means of Instagram. So you see everything in, in its finest. Um, we Yeah, you know, I, th I think it's probably fair to say the quality of what you, you know, the quality of the product is, 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 is right up there, isn't it, in terms of the standards? Yeah, I'd like to think so. We've got an amazing team, amazing design team that work on it. Uh, you know, we've been evolving our product for the last probably three and a half years. Um, and w when I present, I, I show the evolution of, of the HMO and through from the, the beige box that I call it um, of the you know, you just that rinse and repeat model where you just carve houses up and paint everything um, white or gray feature wall or or, or beige um, magnolia walls um, that just doesn't cut it anymore it, that's mm. in the middle of the market which is highly commoditized you're always going to be fighting um, on price it's, it's, it's a massive price war um, so where we position ourselves with those next level hmos that i referred to earlier is is um, within the top five percent of the marketplace mm. and like any business if you're in the top five percent of the market then you are uh, you're always going to have you know, customers and, and what will happen is you'll be able to charge a premium hmm. a, a great example is um if you go back in time to 1998 you have um the, the, the evolution of the the personal computer so, you, um, so before 1998 you've got ibm you've got dell you've got hewlett-packard they're all um you know, creating what are revolutionary machines yep um dated now in, in our eyes today but revolutionary machines um where you've got all these other bits uh, plugged into it um but they're very beige um and they all do the same thing so they were getting they were getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper in the marketplace yep. and then in 1998 out comes steve jobs um with the imac g3 yeah um which was the first of the of the, the fancy looking um uh, you know um mac max you know which are no longer called personal computers they've got their own name you know they are they're branded they're beautiful they're color colorful and everything's in the box you don't need to buy loads and loads of add-ons um and that you know the price of that is extortionate compared to your your, your pc mm. so it's you know, we view the, the same with the evolution of the hmo is that the next level hmos in co-living are this uh, new breed of product which stands out in the marketplace which um commands a premium price uh, and therefore commands a premium um, profit to the investor, but also a, a much better customer experience for the for the tenant. So when we design them, we just have we have that tenant um, in mind at all times, and yeah, we, we call it the, the, our tenant first method method. Say that um, we, yeah, so say that yeah, the profit comes when the customer's happy. Yeah, yeah, and obviously with that number of tenants that you're running, it clearly. Is resonating and striking a chord with the invest with, with the uh, tenants when they're coming through. 
definitely our average tenancy lengths are you know well over a year if people think that um shared housing is for short terms but mm. actually it's becoming a lot longer um our longest tenant had been with us three and a half years before we moved out um, just before christmas so yeah that goes to say a lot about you know the types of uh, offering that we create and is and what's the, what do you know what the average age of tenant is as well that's always an interesting metric oh that's a very good question I, i'm going to be stabbing a little bit in the dark i don't know but um, if I was to quickly mentally picture all of our tenants, not that I know them all, but um, uh, I would I would say our average age is probably in the that's probably twenty six, twenty seven. Okay. Yeah, the mid range of that twenty one to thirty five range. Yeah. Which we 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 um, look for. And I'm assuming that by doing doing the properties to a you know a higher standard that probably reduces the damage to the properties in terms of, you know, you're getting a quite, because you're charging a premium, you're hopefully getting a better quality tenant. So therefore, therefore there's less parties and less damage. Yes. Uh, damage is not really something that we, that we need to worry about. Uh, mm. We've never really had any major issues with damage. Um, mm. There's only one property where um, we have issues and that's one of our very first ones where um, it's done differently. It's not a next level HMO. It's uh, yeah, you've got shared bathrooms, um, a smaller kitchen, uh, and done in the old way, like that the cookie cutter um, way, which um, yeah, I, I that was something that we we are reviewing. Um, but in that particular property, um, there are more issues, so um, you know, we will be looking to um, turn that around into our the way that we do it you know, today over the last three, three years. So, but mm. yeah, we we see the difference in there being very few issues. Um, with the tenants in our properties that we have that approach to um, so yeah I could definitely say that um, they attract a better and high value tenant yeah okay interesting and in terms of how you've built this portfolio so it's, you know it's a it's a fair old crack uh, you know number number of units that you've 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 built during that period of time um, how have you done that? So is that is that using own money, investors' money? What's what's the process? Okay, so w when I started, um, I didn't have a huge swathe of capital. Mm. Uh, in fact, I had uh, debts on credit cards, um, and it was something that yeah, that was one of the reasons why property seemed like a really attractive thing because it's like there's a, that's a source of capital, source of income, and I. Um, started having conversations with family so my first investors were my were my, my my parents mm. so we worked together on a few projects um they had some uh, money from a pension and um uh, wasn't pension release it was kind of um, pension lump sum and um and therefore we, we invested that in a few properties and then um that ran out of money so i started talking to other members of family raised some more money there and then it grew that network grew beyond um beyond the family to, to friends and and eventually to sophisticated investors and and um, you know we raise money generally for every single deal that we do um and you know using we, we, then we create equity within the properties and then turn funds around through uh, refinance um, and then now uh, we um, aim to sell projects as well to release equity and profit so we have this ecosystem of working with um you know our own cash capital and uh, investors yeah okay and and one, one of the things you know having attended some of your events one of the things that 
I think you know you guys do really well is obviously the the kind of the pitch documents that you provide to potential investors. It's you know it immediately kind of gives that confidence that you're working with somebody that you know is prepared to invest in bit of time in kind of making making the pitch document that's good. To me, that's something that's yeah is always is always important rather than the kind of dog-eared piece of paper you know there's yeah. there's something that's nice a bit of thought that's gone into that as well and do, do you think that 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 helps your conversion rate yeah massively uh, there's there's a, a network of um investors that we're a part of and um we um, when we joined that network um, the guy that runs it um, asked us for some information that he could share with with with, with the, the people in the network and uh, we sent him our um you know our pitch deck are um about scott baker properties and, and what we do and he, he said it was one of the yeah well he was very very impressed by it he said he never really gets anything of that quality and standard mm. and this is a network of you know multi-millionaires and billionaires i was saying really i i, I couldn't believe that that what we produced was um, anything that would be better than what I would have assumed would be produced by high-caliber high businesses looking to raise finance. So, mm. um, yeah, the, the the quality of the pack is important, but it must also in, include quality information because you can make you know something really, uh, well, lack of information look really really good as well. Just lots yeah. of pictures. So we like to include you know, lots of imagery, lots of um, uh, kind of. No, well, obviously numbers detail what you're investing in who we are what our values are um and, and we're very much about wanting to work with people who align with our values and, yeah. and mission yeah so a bit of bit of substance below the style as well exactly yeah 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 okay and and obviously so you, you you've built up this portfolio and then you've 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 bolted on this uh, kind of training training program along alongside that so how how did you go about that transition and what was the kind of thought process in launching the the HMO platform so i've always enjoyed teaching hmm. when i was a piano player what i always found was that through teaching it would always it would challenge my own abilities and challenge my own thinking about what I was doing. Hmm. So that if I, if someone was working, like one of my students was working on um, a piece of music and it was a piece of music which was maybe challenging, well, not challenging for me, but I, I'd have to work on it to, to, you know, to get it to a standard where I'd be happy. You know, hmm. it, their challenge, I, I have to think about how I'm gonna present it, how I'm gonna um, look at that piece of music to teach it and make it understandable and uh, the fingering and, and everything that you would do. Similarly, um, when we were doing property, um, I had got busy and in, in, in the training course that I did with, with um, Jill Fielding back in the day, um, they said, well, would you share your story about how you got going and your first few deals and, and you know, to try, try and inspire some others in, in their journeys? And I put together a presentation and they went quite well. And so one thing led to another, and I ended up um, presenting quite a bit of that material on their trainings. Right. Okay. And, and so that's how I kind of got into it um, on the on the property side. But it, it then became quite natural that I'd want to share you know, the knowledge, and um, I really like the uh, more kind of advanced strategies that you can do with HMOs and co-living through through um, leveraging planning permissions, commercial valuations, mixed use schemes. Um, the stuff where it's not always the same 
Because if you take mm. a three-bed house, turn it into a six-bed HMO, you can, or five-bed HMO, you can rinse and repeat that, but it's not particularly sexy. It um, is, it, it becomes a bit mundane. Mm. Um, so even though you can create some great properties that way, um, I, I much prefer to challenge myself, look at a scheme and go, what, what, what can we get out of this? Yeah. Um, and therefore, when we're working with others, that also challenges me by other people bringing things to the table. Uh, we're showing them the, 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 what to do, uh, what not to do, um, but also how we can help them to maximize you know, their capital by creative finance, um, by working with experts like yourself, um, but also how we can um, ensure that you know, they're getting the most out of their projects, their schemes by working with planning experts and uh, architects. And, and, and we, we just, I just love looking at floor plan and going, right, bedroom, 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 bedroom. Yeah. Um, okay. Cinema room, kitchen, living space. Yeah. That, I mean, actually, that's one of the things that I, you know, having attended a few of your kind of cohorts days, that's one of the things that I quite enjoyed was that process of the potential of these things. Because yeah, I you know as as you know I do I find some of my own own sites and do some of that stuff as well and yeah it's kind of being able to kind of implement and visualize it is you know some people could, just can't do it can they and others others are very good at it so yeah it's quite it's quite an interesting process. Yeah, we get very excited when someone turns up with a you know, very interesting floor plan and you, you stick it up on on the big screen and yeah we start going oh okay right. So we've got this, this, and this, and we like how much floor space is there? Right? How many bedrooms should, we should be able to get nine bedrooms out of this? Right? Where can we get nine bedrooms out of this? Yeah. Go, Does the building work for that? There's definitely the space, um, and then work backwards, and then that way we can, as I say, go back and work out um, GDVs, values, and then say, right, go put your offers in, get deals done. Um, so it, yeah, absolutely love it. Yeah, and I, th I think that you know that that kind of process is made a lot easier with all the technology that's available. And I know that you you work closely with Nimbus Maps, um, as, yep. as as I have done for, for for quite a few years now. Actually, I've been a subscriber of theirs um, using their technology, and I think you know they're 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 constantly evolving it um, in terms of adding new features. And and, yep. and I know that they've had a focus on the HMO market. And I think you did a webinar with Paul yesterday, Paul Paul Davis from Nimbus yesterday. Uh, yeah, I did indeed. We've um, well, they've just launched um, a couple of new strategies about um, simplifying HMO sourcing, hmm. um, and uh, we, yeah, we did a joint webinar to um, talk about the HMO strategy um, and why it's a good one to invest in, and then how Nimbus can help. So hmm. yeah, we, we include Nimbus um, and the HMO strategy in all of our training. So when someone works with us, they get access to that. So um, as a tool, as a research tool, as a analytical tool, and as a sourcing tool. Uh, I think it's really good. Yeah, no, I agree one hundred percent. Okay, and and in terms of um, for somebody who's coming coming into real estate, they've got no, you know, maybe limited or no experience. What's your kind of, you know, obviously the market is, you know, it's been it's been last year, you know, property prices rose on average according to statistics. I'm not so sure how many sales there were compared to kind of a normal a normal time. I think numbers were probably down, but I haven't seen seen figures on that um what's what's your kind of outlook for the next 12 months and if if you know if you were starting now what would you be looking for that's a really good question um yeah the, the market is for all intents and purposes booming like mm. house prices are up massively like uh, i think we hit the highest average house price um in the last 12 months we've had in quite a while uh, well ever um so 
that with every kind of boom there comes a bit of a i'm not going to say bust because i don't think bust is correction the right word. correction correction exactly so that the yeah, i'd say there's uncertainty around um you know the end of the stamp duty holiday obviously the, the housing market's been propped up by the government uh, by having this stamp duty uh, reduction there's an opportunity here mm. and the, the reason there's an opportunity is because house prices i believe well my, my gut kind of says that there's going to be a bit of a lull and but it, that it will recover quite quickly over the next 12 months mm. um there'll be a lull but banks still want to lend yeah. so you've got access to finance because there's so much money out there and you've got the cheaper house prices yeah. so that i think is a really great a great opportunity for anybody who's an investor to, to get started and if people think about if, if they if people think well there's loads of investors out there in the marketplace yeah just still remember that um the in, investors take up are the minority by quite a long way still in the uk property market it's still it's mm. massively um dominated by your, your homeowners well and i think lots of investors have you know since the kind of introduction of not not being able to offset interest against your you know personal tax tax bill as well i think lots of investors have, have you know there's been lots that have retired the i think it yeah. was the biggest landlord in the uk retired didn't he and he had a huge portfolio so i think there's there's been a bit been a bit of a shake-up but yeah i i agree with you i think it's uh yeah the the, the reality is that the you know who knows how long covid's going to go on for right that's the, the the kind of great unknown but obviously once it once it settles down and you know normality returns to the market then the odds are you know we've done our brexit deal and we should we should be going into a you know something that's a, a positive outlook so potentially a booming economy which obviously house prices normally are a kind of bellwether for that so but yeah so so in terms of uh, of somebody entering in now what what kind of strategies would you be looking at if, if that was in, in in you in their shoes um as a strategy someone who's never had any property experience Mm. Uh, keep it simple yeah so the stuff that i've been talking about to this point i'd say um, it might sound exciting just park it for a moment and um, take a very simple first step which is probably buying um, a simple house or flat and then renting it to a family or yeah. a couple like that because there's, there's in property there's quite a lot of things to learn along the way and do you realistically want to learn 10 things in one deal and get maybe seven of them wrong or do you prefer to maybe learn um three or four things in your first deal you maybe make the odd mistake but it's a cheap mistake because you made that because um you're doing something simple so especially mm. when you're doing refurbishments working with builders that there's a lot of things that unless you're in the property trades um or done it before that that you're going to come across that you've not encountered before so mm. um and you can learn about it you can read about it but there's nothing like actually going through the process of doing it yeah yeah, I agree. So I say keep it simple, um, de-risk it, uh, use use finance, so use mortgages um, to leverage your money. Um, there, there might be people listening who still think that who, who will think that buying in cash is the best way to do it. It's not because your returns will be a lot higher. Um, that's a conversation for another day. But essentially, you'll be able to leverage and get more out of uh, a property and be able to buy more of them. Um, and and I, I think that's a really great way of spreading risk i'd much prefer to have 10 properties with 10 mortgages rather than have one property for cash yeah for, for well for obvious reasons to me it's because you've got 10 tenants you've got um if one stops paying then you've got another nine to keep you going whereas if your one stops paying you've only got one that's a huge problem for you 
although the adverse effect of you know using using finance is it's magnified if there's losses there's bigger losses um you know but that's you know yeah. it's only at the point of realization right so if you go into negative equity you know i know, I know lots of people that that have assets that are in negative equity and you just have to sit there and trade them out you know and just yeah. sit there and wait until the market comes back so i think the most important thing in, in my experience is buy well you know get get good deals on things and i think that the, the, there's always a kind of that, that kind of urgency to do a transaction and it's doing the right transactions at the right money as opposed to it's better to do the right transaction than it is just to do one yeah I, i'll caveat that the, the 10 houses would be 10 good houses or, yes of course <laughs> or, 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 or out of 10 10 houses you might have you know four amazing ones four average ones um and maybe two maybe one which is all right and then one which is causing you lots of hassle so um because in any business you're going to have uh you know, a range of of stuff and i'll tell you in our portfolio um you know, there's ne never a day where a hundred percent of the portfolio is well, well well we've got no issues there's always an issue within the portfolio that's needs resolving and that issue migrates around the portfolio <laughs> <laughs> so it's never the same it's never the same one on the same day and I guess part of part of that kind of scaling up process is having the kind of capability and the infrastructure to deal with those problems and those issues as they arise. Yeah. And as as you get more experienced, you get more confident in, you know, kind of dealing with those things. Um, so, so do you have a kind of specific approach in terms of systems and processes and things like that? Or what, you know, how, how do you how do you deal with that stuff? Well, that's a bit of learning as well, because yeah. we, we started in uh, property, but no one told us how to run a business. And the only business I'd run before was um, a music school, which is quite simple. So uh, we've had to learn our way and feel our way through it. And um, mm. we've leveraged uh, the expertise of others very much the entire way. So whether that's the expertise of, of finance brokers, of um, uh, mortgage, uh, sorry, 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 yeah, mortgage brokers, um, uh, project managers, builders, lettings agents, you know, all the people that you need to run a successful business, you outsource those parts. So and generally you wanted to be doing the things that you're good at that only you can do. Mm. Um, and that has been a journey of self-discovery about the type, about our personalities, who does what. So, you know, I do certain things in the business, Niall does other things in the business. Um, whereas before we used to butt heads and both try and do the same stuff. Um, and occasionally we, we fall into that old habit and we have to remind ourselves actually no that's niles will that wheels house matt get you know get out of it <laughs> and, and which is normally the way it works and um, <laughs> i'll be trying to put my nose, but, you know, put my nose in and, and um, find out what's going on but good systems are you know, regular meetings um and trusting that the people in your team um, know what they're doing mm -hmm. and sometimes and, and you, you don't just necessarily trust people overnight but you learn over over time um, and then over time, you will learn whether they are right for your business, whether they're wrong. So, for example, a letting agent, uh, we've changed letting agents quite a few times in a few different areas because we'll work with someone for a year or two years. And then we can just see that it's it's just not quite working as well as it could do. So then we would change and find someone else. And, you know, we're probably we're, we're happy with maybe 70 percent of our agents at the moment. They're still not 100 percent happy, which is um a reason for something else that we've done throughout lockdown, which we'll, I think we'll come to a bit later. Yeah. But um, uh, essentially, systems are all about uh, about people, really, and, mm. and um, managing people. 
and then having good technology and tools which those people can use to to manage um so regular meetings um good quality information yeah um so um we for example, as, um, as a team, we have a Monday morning meeting briefing and then a Friday afternoon debriefing. Um, so we, we have about 10 members of the team that come into that uh, meeting at the moment. And so we all get, so on the Monday, we talk about, you know, what's, um, what we're aware of in the business that we, that we need to work on, um, what's our main goal for the, and focus for the week. And on the Friday, we'll catch up and we'll say, like, what was our biggest win? What's something that we, that we need learning uh, or help with? Yeah. Um, uh, and it's really interesting because the wins are generally things that, that they've achieved or that the business has done that week. And the learnings are, are almost always about, well, I had to learn how to manage my diary better or um, it's all been personal development stuff. It mm. wasn't, I didn't know how to use an email. It was, it was more about um, learning something about themselves. So it, those regular touch points really help with personal growth. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's important stuff, isn't it? Kind of keeping keeping the focus and yeah, but at the same time being able to kind of take a step back and have that kind of 30,000 foot view of the bigger picture in terms of, you know, where you are today and where you want to want to get to. And I think, yeah, my experience is you've got to implement the systems and the process of a much bigger company than you probably are at that point in time. And obviously, as you as you grow, you need to continue to do that. And quite often where people get stuck is, you know, they're, they're kind of doing everything themselves. And the difficulty is, as, as we both know, is letting go of stuff. It's, 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 a, it's a difficult thing to do. It's harder than you think um, because really you, think, you think, oh, I can do it better than they can anyway. So what's the point? You know, and, uh, but actually by doing that, you're stopping yourself. Yeah. And, and a huge part of, you know, my my kind of personal journey, I think this is the same for you as well, is kind of this is, you know, designing one's life in the way that the, the way that you want it. So you, you're actually spending your time doing the stuff that you enjoy doing as opposed to, you know, the alternative of being told what, what to do by somebody else. And I think yeah. for me that that's almost as important as, you know, the actual, you know, the rewards from it all. And, you know, that, I don't know. Do you, is that the same for yourself? Yeah, because it's all about the journey. If you don't enjoy yeah. the journey, there's no point going. Yeah. Um, it's similar to being an athlete. You know, the goal is to win a gold medal at the Olympics, but actually mm. the, uh, your life is the journey. It's mm. getting there. And that's just um, one day on one, you know, in one particular hour of your life. So I think we, so what I find is that looking or piecing together that picture of how you want your life to be it is about um making sure that you're generally correct in the direction that you're going mm. um that you're focused in the right way um but that you've got the people around you who can um you know share that burden share that load yeah and, and inspirational people that that you like to be around yeah, and so you're designing your life. You choose the people you want to be around. And as you say about letting go of things, uh, you know, I've had to let go of a lot to be able to do what we're doing. And mm. I always used to think, and still do think sometimes, I can do things better than others. Yeah. But but you need to let go. And I've had to let other people make the mistakes I could see they were going to make. Yeah. I can guide them, but they've got to make those mistakes so that they've learned that mistake so they don't do it again. Yeah. Um, so... Um, yeah, so, so, so that, that has been a big, big lesson. But as long as you're going the right direction, you'll get there. Or further than you are today. 
or first go exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you might not get there, you know. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to beat Usain Bolt. He's retired now, but you know, <laughs> you, these these things have to be realistic in line with your personal capabilities. And I've got, you know, and, and actually, it's knowing knowing what your weaknesses are as well, isn't it? I think that's a huge part of the, these kind of journeys is to make sure that yeah, you know, you're 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 not doing the things that you shouldn't be doing because frankly, you're going to mess them up if <laughs> if you do them. Yeah, no, they say that's true. Actually, when when people set up businesses, um, entrepreneurs are not necessarily business owners or, or business um, managers. Yeah, they're good at something that is uh, needed. Yeah, um, and then you just need to bring in the right people who, that can manage the business. Yeah, and the uh, I watched a podcast about the Gymshark founder. You know, the the, yeah. the gymwear brand. And uh, there were were originally two founders and one of them sold out his shares, 20% of it for 100 million quid. Um, And he said, that's plenty enough money for me. I like doing startups. I don't want to be involved in a big corporate. And now, now, you know, he's obviously gone on and, you know, investing in property and all kinds of stuff. And the founder's still there and he's grown it to, you know, a billion, billion, billion dollar valuation or whatever it is. So you can, you can kind of see, and I think, yeah, it's it's knowing which which side of the coin are you? And I think you, you have to, you have to kind of get to a certain place with yourself to kind of recognize actually that's my skill set and that's not and it, it, you know you kind of it, 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 it hurts sometimes doesn't it to kind of actually i'm not good at this bit you know and i need some need some help um well you know what that, I, I could probably resonate with that because it as you were talking i was thinking right so let's say we've, we've got a business that we've started and we take it to a certain value do i want to be part of a big conglomerate i don't know whether i do no it's a really interesting thought. Um, obviously, to be silent, it, um, you know, it's a good problem to, or decision to have to make. Oh, of course, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, no, but I've, I've worked in. I've never worked in massive companies. I've always generally worked in smaller companies. Um, and the massive ones, yeah. It, I, 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 I have, and I've worked in banking as a sector, and literally it was during during the kind of financial crisis and. Mm-hmm. We used to have meetings about meetings about meetings and literally that it was at that point i was really beginning to plot you know i've got to, got to do something for myself here because i can't you know i can't live like this yeah um, but yeah different different cultures cool so in terms of in terms of you, you you've got the training business you've got the, the the property company um you've also just launched something else tell us more yeah so th- this is partly why i'm having those thoughts about you know when you grow a business um how what kind of size would you be part of it is because we've just uh, launched a, a brand new business um which was which came out of lockdown uh it was about march april time last year got a phone call from a guy called van who uh runs a tech company called coho which is, which is a, a property management tool and system okay. and um he was looking for 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 help with and feedback for uh his system that he just he just just launched um and he was in beta format at the moment at, at the time and i i um yeah just got chatting to him we got on really well had similar visions about um the industry especially around shared living and co-living and um we just continued chatting and then over the course of about three or four months um we st- we were all talking to the same people um, having similar conversations and w- one of our visions was to start managing our own portfolio 
so mm. that every single tenant who comes into our business gets the same unique experience, um, a positive one. And <laughs> good, important to include that word. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a positive one from f the first encounter with us to when they leave as well. So it's a positive experience all the way yeah. through. So um, they will go and recommend us to the, to others. So that's something that's always been in our mind. Um, and within that group of people that were chatting, we we had a, a, another developer, um, a, a letting agent or operator who's been looking to expand his business. And um, these tech guys who want to who wants to get into the market, and we just started thinking, well, there's a huge need here because the general quality of man of the management of shared living is pretty poor. Um, the quality of of um, shared living in the UK and HMOs is pretty poor. Uh, what you see on Facebook and Instagram is not the reality out there in the real world. When you look at the majority of HMOs, you see some beautiful looking properties. Um, but they're still the, still in the minority. So the country needs a shake up um, and tenants need a better choice. And there's no one really out there managing HMOs to a standard where you could really call it co-living. So mm. that every time someone moves in, they get an experience of living in a community where they can create meaningful relationships, friendships. If you just Im imagine, you know, some of you will have been to university. Um, when you go to university, you get thrown into the deep end with a you know, student hall of residence, then you go into a shared house and, and you make those friendships, which are quite often lifelong friendships. And if you imagine that um, for someone who's maybe not going to university, they can have that same experience by going and moving into uh, a shared house if it's managed in the correct correctly. Um, and anyone in their 20s, 30s, actually in any stage of life can have that experience if they're moving into a property where people with like-minded um, outlooks uh, with similar uh, similar backgrounds and similar life stages can, mm. um, you know, can, can have, form those meaningful connections. So um, we decided that we were going to set up a nationwide co-living management solution, okay. which is a tall order <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that's a big task <laughs> which is a big task so we thought this is what we want to do how are we going to do it and um, so we started operating in the areas that we already exist um so london midlands and the south coast um and then start to then think right let's get that working well and then we'll expand into some other areas so um we're, we're already operating in those four well three major areas and then we're already in talks to grow into two more areas um, uh, by the second half of this year. So um, we will be nationwide, if not already, um, or if not very soon. Um, and our three, I suppose, things that we're focusing on is making sure that the property maintenance is taken care of um, just by default. Yeah. So that's not the only, th that's not the one thing that um, letting agents do. That's, all, that's what they seem to do. They look after the property. Whereas um, that is going to be, as a default, we have a proactive property maintenance. Every house gets a health check so that it's um, so it's uh, at the best quality it can be at all times of the year. Then our second pillar um, of um, what we're basing our service on is making sure communication is, is um, like five star, that reporting is easy to follow, that um, everyone is informed about what's going on at all times. So that no one feels in the dark anytime because as a landlord, um, with a with a letting agent i often feel like i'm in the dark about what's going on sometimes mm. i want to be in the dark but other times uh, i really sh i find out about things um, too late to be able to have influenced the outcome yeah 
Um, and the third thing, which is our most important thing, which is actually the customer experience. So tenants, when they move into houses, having an amazing time um, from that first moment they encounter our business all the way through moving in. Um, and then so, so we do um, events within the property, welcome dinners. Um, we do we, we facilitate um, people to have uh, events themselves so we, so that we encourage them to put on stuff. Um, we encourage them to uh, engage with local community. So we have an outreach program and um, say that it's more than just a room. That's okay. essentially what we're, what we're building. Interesting. So, wow, that's a lot to digest. And again, that's a, that's a big change from, I, I guess you've got knowledge of the kind of the pain points of that process with your experience. Um, yeah. so, so how are you going to create this national coverage? So we work with people, uh, local people on the ground. So right. we already have a network of um, maintenance people, um, people that can assist us with viewings um, in the areas that we operate and the ones that we are about to expand into. Right. Um, okay. So we are um, doing some partnerships and employing others um, directly uh, and making sure we work with the right people who, again, share our mission, vision and values of what maintaining a property should be like for mm. The occupants and for the owner what um uh, communication should look like um uh, you know, it should be a positive experience to communicate whereas you know I, I, I get the impression a lot of letting agents they see a tenant as a liability so, so, so as an asset until the moment they move into the property when they become a liability so mm. they, they can make the money till they move in then they just expect that money to keep coming in and then whenever you get a phone call from a tenant it's a problem yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so we want that whole um experience to be a positive one so yep. that um the tenants know that the property's looked after that, yep. that their issues are going to be resolved yeah okay and obviously that will then improve in in client and uh, sorry tenant and landlord relationships being improved and therefore tenants sticking around for longer and less voids and all the, all of that good stuff yeah so the the, out, the output is um tenants paying more rent and yep. staying longer which yep. uh, and properties lasting longer retaining value so uh businesses on the whole being better off more profitable okay interesting interesting so exciting times very much so and how are you how the hell are you going to manage that along with everything else you've got going on well the positive thing is that's a there's a team of nine of us already in that business okay. so i'm i'm only one ninth of it um yeah. uh, we all are very key and very important to the success of that business um but it means it could be, uh, all of the um, founders and and the the the, uh, the team at the moment have got other jobs right. other businesses so this is the or this was the side project and it still is the probably the part-time bit but if you have nine people working part-time you've got a decent core team for, yeah. a, for a, a startup business and, and this is not the people doing the work on the ground either sure yeah so you, you have those people on top that would, that would be contractors and suppliers to the business mm. um but essentially, we've all taken a role, and uh, my role in that is business development and marketing. So just um, it's working to ensure that the message that goes out to the the potential tenant pool is that we are the best place to live. Our goal yeah. is that when people uh, of a certain well, when they think about shared living, they say, right, I, I don't think I'm going to go rent a room. They say, I'm going to go rent a co-home because yeah. that's the name of our brand. It's co-home. So. Yeah. Um, and then my goal is also to attract um, 
properties and the right properties and the right landlords that we can work with and right developers because if developers develop lots of really great properties and just are not interested in the management then you know, mm. that type of relationship is great because we can have an input in how properties are um, created um, if they're more experienced developers um, we can then help with interior design etc if they're beginning developers they'll probably be working with us on the edge of platform anyway yeah okay no interesting because because one of the things i was going to mention is obviously the 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 kind of social engagement that you particularly through scott baker that you know your your instagram account scott baker yeah. you, you know the the quality of the content that you 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 know it's definitely improving over the over time but it's, it's it's to a really really good standard isn't it you've you've kind of got that got that nailed down now and some of the kind of thought leadership pieces that you put out there some of the surveys that you've done and stuff like that it kind of you know it's attracted you quite a lot of press hasn't it so it's, it's a good yeah. good strategy so how, how did you come up with that stuff uh which which bit um <laughs> well it, I, I guess the thought leadership side because that's that's always uh so i have never been one for like writing articles and you know, putting my thoughts down on paper, but it's something that I that I knew that I had to do if I was to start talking about it and sharing the message of what we do. Mm. So I um, started writing articles on LinkedIn. Um, yep. I've done there's a few on there now, um, not as regularly as I would like. I got I got into a rhythm and then I had a baby and then that threw all rhythm out the window. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, now trying to find another rhythm and you get into another rhythm and then. You just turned six months and um, so you think you're in a rhythm and then you then you're not so uh anyone who has kids will will, will understand that one <laughs> um but yeah so i started writing articles on linkedin which got me the bug um and then i started writing a book right. um and from that i started to really condense my thoughts um order them because you have to and you have to you have to yeah, yeah, have a good you structure. Have to so plan, plan these things, yeah. To plan these things out, and so I thought, well, actually, I'm going to take some of the ideas that I'm writing about, and I'm going to do some short form. I'm going to expand on some of them, and I, again, LinkedIn, um, and uh, the HMO magazine. I regularly write in there, um, and some of the things we've done have attracted YPN. So we've been in there three times now. The most recent one was our shared living survey, which is one of the idea, uh, one of the. Um, um, ideas or brainchilds of mine, which is to survey as many tenants as we can who live in shared houses so that we can get a, a sense of what they actually want and what's working and what's not. So we do that annually. Um, I guess I guess that feeds, feeds in quite nicely with the, 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 the what's the platform called the co co living co-home uh, co-home. Co sorry, excuse yep. me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it, it does because as a as a developer, it helps us to know what to put in a property as we're developing it and how to lay it out yeah um, and then as a managing agent know how you know, know what their pains are when they live in shared houses so that we can mm. um decrease those and, and solve those problems if we can solve those problems for housemates living in those properties then again you're going to get greater retention greater rents greater profitability mm. yeah okay um, and, and then the, the question around the kind of socials. So how, how, how have you gone about improve, you know, because initially, you know, social media. Yeah. So on, on Instagram, the Scott Baker stuff, you know, you know, it's, it, it's good. It's good stuff. You put out good content. So how did you learn to do that? And what has been the kind of learning process you've been through on that side of things? Um, the, the, the learning was to delegate. <laughs> good response. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so I wish I could take credit for the amazing um, quality of content that goes out on Scott Baker socials. We we have meetings to determine the, the direction that we're going um, and we provide the content. So um, everything that goes out is basically stuff which has been taken from um, articles I've written, um, ideas, uh, discussions we have in meetings. And then we have an, have an amazing um, girl who, who's, who's a core part of our team, Sala, who um, is also our uh, interior designer. So um, she basically is full time with us now and does all of our interior design, works with our clients at the HMO platform, uh, and then also runs Scott Baker Property social media right. um, to showcase what it is. So she um, knows the ends of our business and has been doing it for eight, almost two years now. So um, she knows exactly how who Niall and I are, so can talk f um, in the way that we would want to be represented. Yeah. And um, we can put that imagery out there that we want to be in a way we want to be represented. And because she's a designer, she got the eye for putting out the right pictures yeah. the, and the right quality. So um, uh, as someone who is not a massive fan of social media, well, no, I'd say to you what, I do like social media, but I just don't like doing it every day. Yeah. So if you send me a message on Instagram, it's possible that I won't see it for three days. Yeah. Um, it's not that I've ignored it, it's about that I've not actually looked to look for it. Um, and my and my uh, fiance, um, you know, helps me with my own social media. So I will do some posts and she will do some posts, uh, just to ensure there's regularity of content. Hmm. So I think the best way to do social media well is to have support, unless you really love doing it. I know some people are you know, just on it all the time themselves, hmm. um, but yeah, you know, you've heard all of the all of the different roles that I play within, you know, three different businesses. Well, um, there's only, there's only so many hours in the day, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, so we have three people running three different. So, well, I've four people running four different social media accounts in, in the businesses. In fact, five. Yeah, five people running, five different social media accounts within the businesses. Um, yeah. Okay. And and in terms of your kind of you know looking looking forwards, then obviously we we touched on your target your lofty targets for the number of rooms that you have under your under your uh, control. Um, yeah. And and obviously, I'm, I'm I'm assuming the HMO platform it continues to be a kind of core part of your your proposition. Um, how do you how do you go about growing these things? And do you use a mentor? You know what what's the kind of you know how how do you keep yourself pushing forwards and you know having a bigger vision? Uh, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Having a mentor is the the number one thing, the mm. number one reason for my um, success right. for everything that we've done to this point. It's been, so, so when I started uh, in property, it was uh, doing a training course, which gave me accountability. It gave me uh, a reason to do it and, uh, and the education that I needed. And then I had a mentor that gave me a, say, some dates to work towards. And then I achieved my goals based upon on that. So having that external um, input, and so then, that, that's that's quite a structured approach, isn't it? In terms of how you got the kind of wheels turning, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, and and there's um, so as, as I said in my, my book, um, I talk about the kind of the journey of um, how I forgot what I call it now. I should I, I should know because I've just read it last night <laughs> to the final proof. Um, <laughs> um, um, but that's, that's ghost writer. No, no. <laughs> I was about two o'clock in the morning, they say one, and that's why I can't remember. So if you if there's spelling mistakes in it, that's why. Um, but um, yeah, I talk about the um, the keys to continue growth. That's it. So right. um, and the four elements that 
everyone has when they're learning. So from from you know, having education to being um, motivated to creating momentum to getting experience, um, and then to then learning again to getting motivated to getting momentum to getting experience, and it's a constant cycle. Mm. Um, yeah. And if you don't, ha and at the heart of that in the middle is support. So if you don't have support, then uh, you, you can just fall off that wagon. Mm. And for me, whenever I'm, whenever there's a lull in my energy or in the business, because like everything, it ebbs and flows. Um, and what gets me back on track is by having some external motivation yeah. that then just pulls me back into, yes, these are my goals. This is my why, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah. And that external motivation might be spending an hour playing with Amelia, my daughter, um, or it might be having a, you know, a half day session with one of my coaches um, in a in a group mastermind session, um, but where they're just talking about ideas about business um, or about property or development. So, um, I've had a mentor. I've still got one right now. I've got a business mentor um, who is just helping us to formulate plans about how we're putting our um, uh, you know, our business together, how to get to growth, and uh, it's very possible that you know, it's probable I'll be working with with this group for next for next year or two, and mm. then especially as we grow the, um, you know, the, the letting size business, the management co-home, you know, that has the potential to be international. So again, we're gonna need people that have done that before because the last thing I wanna do is go and trial and error it, you know, in Canada or Germany mm. and just make a massive hash of it because that could affect everything else. So I wanna yeah. reach out and speak to the people that have that experience. Yeah, find the experts. Yeah, leverage experts, you know, and there's going to be obviously going to be a cost to that, but um, it's an there's also an opportunity cost if you don't take action. Um, also, the opportunity cost of not doing it by not taking action, um, but also you know, the value of the mistakes that you're you're going to miss by doing it that way, and the mm. profit that is that you you can achieve, but you might miss by not having someone um, speak to you. So um, I'm a big believer in kind of working out and kind of return on investment when it comes to coaching and mentoring. You're always going to think, well, if I'm going to pay X amount for some support, some mentoring, some master a mastermind, you know, a year long program, um, you know, what is the potential upside to that? So mm. if you spend 10 grand for a year, um, what am, am I going to get that back and then some? If the answer is no, then I'd say, well, actually, it's like, for example, going to university, my, I, I went to university, I would say people should go to university if they choose to, but not just for the hell of it. Um, 10 grand a year on university, you know, for three years, you know, is that a good return on investment? Hmm. I don't really know. So whereas um, getting, uh, you know, someone who who's really active in business, not someone who's not doing it anymore. I, I see coaches out there who did it 30 years ago who are not doing it anymore. Yeah. And still think and don't know what it's like on the ground right now. Hmm. So I'd say to anyone who's listening who who's looking for a coach in whatever field they're in, you know, go and find someone you admire who's not 10 steps ahead of you. They're maybe three or four steps ahead of you. So they know exactly what it is, what it feels like to be where you are, that they um, have got the experience and the success to be able to take, to, to basically bring you along their journey. That's how we view with, with our clients. We're, you know, we're about three steps ahead of the guys behind us and we're just pulling them with us. And yep. when we're doing larger projects, we're making learnings on it. We're sharing it with the with the people that we work with, so that yep. they don't make any of the mistakes that we do, or so that um, so it inspires them to continue to to you know, to look for projects to, to do deals. When it's that accountability thing, isn't it? I've because I've I've personally started 
Yeah, I, I, I'm a member of a business incubator at Hertfordshire University for one of my companies, and awesome. I, I use that as a, um, I, I, I basically call it my therapy session, where I can sit there and talk to people that, you know, it's kind of a, you know, Chatham House rules, you know, we talk about our respective companies, and yeah, it's kind of really useful just to get other people's thoughts and input on things, and actually that's then led to, you know, some really good strategic partnerships, but also I've, I've found, found somebody who's, who's mentoring me as well, and that's, that's kind of, you know, it, it, it just gives you a, a sense of accountability, doesn't it, because it means that you've got to, you know, I, I set the time that I'm going to be with him, and by that time I've got to have done what I've said I'm going to do, because otherwise it, I feel like I'm, you know, not performing for him, so it, it creates that creates that kind of sense of yeah. priority for these things so it's like um, when you're back at school having your deadline for your homework yeah it doesn't matter whether you do it a little bit every day for a week or whether you do it the night before yeah, but it you'll needs get to it be done, done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I'm, I'm the one that always did it the night before so having these sessions you know with accountability um, groups means that I get it done mm. uh, even if it is the night before you know for example when I send my book off I did the final edit the night before finishing at two, two o'clock in the morning um because if i didn't i'm gonna it, it was gonna uh, i'll miss my slot with the with the editor and I'd have to wait another two weeks whatever it was so yeah i was like i'm getting it done yeah yeah no absolutely cool so we've talked about lots of stuff and um, the one side of things we haven't talked about is kind of health and fitness now i know you you used to do t25 every day was that was that what you were doing is that still ongoing or you're not doing I, that anymore I did. So one of my goals in life is to be fit and healthy so that I can run around after my kids yeah, and uh, play in the garden, lift them up um, and, and you know, all, all the things that they want to do and have the energy to be, to be a father. Um, so when we got pregnant um, um, over a year, well, over a year ago now, we, that was high on my agenda was to start it. And I, I was struggling to get the motivation to to, to do it because obviously, as as the the guy in, in in the side of getting pregnant, you don't really feel any difference apart from you know, the you know, having to, to to live with a you know, a pregnant a pregnant fiance. Um, and um, so, <laughs> wash, wash my words now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Laura <laughs> <laughs> so, will be listening. <laughs> so it's, it's like, <laughs> uh, so um, I uh, yeah I, I was tr uh, yeah struggling with motivation. I, then then lockdown hit, and then I then I was thinking oh I got you know what's going on. Uh, you mentioned earlier about drinking. I you know was we definitely got into our wine for a good two or three weeks. <laughs> Me too. And, yeah, for, for for a period, and, I, and and then I started to feel not so good. I thought, oh, this mm. is a, you know I really like enjoying a bottle of wine, um, but when you have a bottle of wine or a glass of wine every day, it's not quite the same. Mm. So um so so i then um, thought right, okay i'm gonna i'm not gonna do that anymore uh, i'm gonna i can see that i'm about six months away or five months away from having having amelia so i'm going to start working out i want to come out of this because i'm starting to get a bit of weight as well so i'm going to kind of come out of lockdown fatter not fitter so fitter not fatter yeah yeah <laughs> that was it the right way around <laughs> and um so that baby was, brain baby brain movie. exactly baby <laughs> brain so, so i i i hashtag fitter not fatter and i put on instagram that i'm going to post my workout every single day um doing doing the t25 program which is um a program where you do 25 minutes of exercise um five days a week with a saturday off and then you do then you do um a, like a stretching routine on a sunday um i thought i can cope with that it's only half an hour out of my morning every morning so i did it religiously and i did not miss a day for about three and a half months 
and then Amelia was born. I can safely say I haven't done it since. <laughs> and that was six months. However, leading up to Christmas, um, one of one of our friends um, who we met through the NCT group that we we're in with, with, um, with the, the, um, the kids, um, uh, runs something called Run Up to Christmas. Uh, well, Run Things. And they have a, a, um, a thing called Run Up to Christmas, like a campaign where it's a charity event where you uh, raise money for charity, but you also you set a goal. So Lara and I said, well, we need to get fit and get back into exercise. So we set a target of running 50K between us in uh, 25 days. Right. And uh, we thought, well, that's easy. You do a couple of kilometers every other day each. Um, so we did that, but we st- we missed a few days and they got up got up to like the, the Christmas Eve. And we're like, oh, we still got 12K to do. <laughs> <laughs> so on Christmas Eve, we both ran 6K. Basically, <laughs> went around the park a lot <laughs> to get to our goal. And we did it in the night before, but but we did it and then we got our medals. There's, there's um, a recurring theme and, here of these last minute uh, <laughs> efforts but to we get, get it across the line. But you get them across the line. We get them across the line. That's the the important thing. We get them across the line when there's a deadline. So um, that got us going and realised that I hadn't lost as much fitness as I I thought. But um, yeah, so at the moment, we are scheduling back in, trying to get into a routine with with Amelia and and finding the the time to get fitness in. And I know when when someone says, I don't don't have the time, generally that is a excuse for it's not being important enough up their list of priorities yeah. and I, to be honest health and fitness is important to me but it's not as high as some of the other business things that i'm doing i also yeah. know that if i do this if i do the health and fitness it, also, it does benefit the well that, that, that's what i was going to say yeah because you, you you find that you're able to work better and you're more focused yeah. and so because that's what i always find if i you know stop exercising for whatever reason it yeah, I, I, you know, a couple of weeks later, I've got to start again because otherwise, I just feel like I'm. Yeah. Particularly at the moment when you're, you know, locked inside, it's kind of, you know, crawling the walls. Whereas that's that's a good release, isn't it, to to, to get get expel some of that excess energy. Yeah, so I, I, so I do enjoy it, but um, I suppose it was never drilled into me as a kid to exercise because I was always in doing music, so it was mm. never a habit. So. Uh, whenever I do it, it's um, for a period of time, and then I I, I, I fall off the habit, and then I come back to it. So mm. um, I kind of go as as I you can see, I went every day without fail for for three months, and then something changed, and it's like, and then my focus changed, and I went hell for leather into being a father, and you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I I you know don't have any children, but I gather that the first first six months are pretty hellish and. You know, you're looking remarkably good for it. So <laughs> clearly, clearly getting some sleep. So, <laughs> well, yeah, so Lara and I, um, are, you know, we come up with ways of sharing childcare at home yeah. and um, which yeah, and Lara works in the business as well. So we, yeah, we were again trying to run three businesses between two of us uh, and have childcare and uh, well, do, do childcare and be successful. So it's just, it's just juggling. Um, mm. I, I um we, we've just uh, we are we, we've got, got a wedding coming up um and gonna that's another goal to work towards yeah. but i also know with health and fitness you can't do it overnight no. so to be fitter to make sure that you're in the right shape um uh, and it is and kind of every day every other day activity so um it is now back on my radar that i'm going to be doing that so i've now got into the habit of waking up i've, I've been pushing myself um a, a half an hour earlier every morning so um, I've never really been a morning person. And um, with Amelia, she she wakes up when she wakes up, and um, 
yeah, so I'm forced to wake up at at least seven and I've been pushing it back half six mm. and you know, to six to make sure that I'm up. I'm definitely not part of the 5am club um, unless Amelia's screaming and then that's generally Lara who's part of that club. <laughs> <laughs> but she's no longer, she's no longer, uh, well soon it's not to be breastfeeding so um, I've got yeah. le- le- fewer excuses not to get involved in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, cool. Um, good. Well, I think from my end, I'm just looking at my little list that I put together. We asked you. Oh, yeah. In terms of things that inspire you, is there any what 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 inspires you and any any tips or tips or tricks to help people that are struggling during these times? OK, so there are two main ways to help myself to be inspired. Um, actually, probably actually three. Uh, one of them is to surround myself with people who are on a similar mission to myself. So yeah. um, that's why I love to have meetings throughout the entire week with amazing people. So whether they're part of um, the co-home team, you know, that's an amazing bunch of inspirational people because we've all come together from different necks of the woods and different um, walks of life. Um, whether it's our own team and I can just hear what everyone else is up to in our business and I can uh, see the amazing things they're getting up to, um, that's inspiring for me. Um, so mm. on a Monday morning, if I'm tired and I'm, and I'm going into the meeting, I come out of that meeting really invigorated on our briefing. Mm. So like, actually, yeah, you know, they've, because as, as the, the leader, you go in, you, you, you have to display the way, so you go in and um, portray a, you know, a happy, um, you've got to be inspiring yourself. So um, that's my aim. Um, but realistically, I can go in looking inspiring, but actually I could be feeling like crap. Um, but by the end of the meeting, I come out feeling inspired because of because of the people around me. Yeah. So that's really that's really important. And then obviously having my coach and, and mentor um, going to sessions with him um, is really inspiring. Mm. So the second thing is um, about having a vision. So over Christmas, Nara and I spent a good couple of days putting together our five year vision plan. Yeah, I got a big piece of paper with um, loads of cutting and sticking out on the wall. So whenever I have any doubt about what we're doing, just go look at that and go, right, this is why we're doing it. Mm. And you just go through it and do the different elements of, or areas of life and go, right, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, I need to focus on that. I need to go back and work on playing with the band and writing that song, which I put off for a couple of months. Or you know, if I want to achieve that goal. And, and it just reminds you why you're doing what, what you're doing. And the third thing, it's just it's music so music has a massive impact on changing your state um some people will put music on to compound their state whereby if you're feeling like crap you put on music which is going to make you feel worse um don't do that put on some music which is going to make you jump uh make you put a smile on your face so Mm. um what i think i'd say is think about the last time that you were really happy and what music was on in the background um was it a a gig was it a special occasion uh, was it um i try to think yeah were you, you know, out and about and you heard a song in particular is this a particular song that's that sticks in your mind which is associated with happy thoughts happy feelings so mm. just stick that on and you'll be amazed at how quickly your state will change uh, and the the chemicals in your body will change and you, you'll just feel better and mm. and be able to and be, move things on so and i forget that sometimes and then i, I put on uh, some music which i absolutely love and and then i just get on with it and i forget that it was that i ever had a, an issue with the thing that i was working on yeah yeah look i think we're all in yes difficult times and maintaining that focus and that motivation is is tricky um you know dark dark early as it as it is at the moment yeah. you know we're in january uh, weather's 
pretty terrible. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised you're not jumping in 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 the sea because I know you live in, in the, on the south coast. Uh, yeah. Not not taking that up yet. No. However, my, um, my parents bought um, myself, uh, my partner, my sister, and her partner um, wetsuits for, right. for Christmas. So Christmas Day was um, trying on wetsuits in, 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 in our small family bubble in our tier two house. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah, we tried on wetsuits. Uh, and so our, one of our goals is to uh, do um, a lot more paddleboarding. Right. Okay. Because there's quite a lot of paddleboarding off off the coast here, off our Pebble Beach, yeah. um, and uh, uh, so yeah, so we all bought each other vouchers for for lessons, <laughs> <laughs> unbeknownst to each other. The the last time I did paddleboarding, it was it was very very entertaining. I mean, the water was a bit warmer; it was in Mauritius, but uh, my wife was amused. I fell in lots. <laughs> well, 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 that's going to be me. Uh, well, well the, the thing is, I, I'm probably a, a fair weather paddleboarder, as in prefer to do it on the med. Um, yeah, uh, well, it's, it's me, much, probably it's in, in the med. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, with our wetsuits and uh, you know the coastline here is the, the, it's actually quite flat in the water. So um, mm. if the sun has been shining, uh, I, I don't think it's that cold. And with a wetsuit on, I think it's actually going to be fine. <laughs> you but won't I, be I'm saying yet, that. You won't be saying that when you fall in. <laughs> I, I, I'm yet to discover that. I think you've got to jump in to get warm. I think yeah. that's the, the, the downside to a wetsuit. But um, uh, yeah. So to say, yes, sea seaside life. Yeah, a natural swimmer in the sea, um, but I do like being on the seaside. Yeah, cool. Well, Mr. Matt Baker, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, I think that's all my 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 list of questions that I'd like to ask. And yeah, I think hope hopefully you provided some inspiration for people that are you know looking looking to get going, expand their proposition. Um, just so just in summary, if you've got any closing remarks or any um, any, any of your socials where we find you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, um, please feel free to drop them in now. Yeah, so um, what I would say is a, a quote that I found myself writing in, in my book, which is out in February 2021. Look out for it. It's called Next Level Landlord. Uh, one of my quotes, but one of the things I said is that the most important step along the road to success is the first one. So I, I know this podcast is going out to people at different stages of their business business lives, but um, whatever, whatever um, stage you're at, the next step is the most important one. Yeah. So just focus on the next one, not the one 10 steps away. So it's that you know, the first step and then the, the next step is the most important. Um, and then um, finally, to connect with me, um, I am on all social medias at Clearly Matt Baker. Uh, you can find me across um, everything apart from Clubhouse because I don't have an iPhone. <laughs> Honestly, we'll talk about that offline, but don't waste your time. Thanks for listening to The Growth Show with Matt Lindsay. Please like our podcast and subscribe today.